Well, this morning we're going to be in uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Gospel of John, chapter 2. Now, I'm really glad you're here this morning. Uh, I couldn't hardly wait to get here. Uh, one of the things I, I enjoy doing is, is uh, I enjoy walking around the outside of this place and praying for it before we have service, and then uh, some of us get together and pray as well. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's a, that's, a, that's a big part of my day. Uh, we just pray that God's will would be done, and uh, that's what we want. So let's, uh, let's look at chapter 2 of uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 12. Would you stand with me as we read God's holy word? It says, after this, uh, in verse 12, after this, he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum. I've been to Capernaum. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I think of it often. He and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now on the map it looks like he's going down, but he's actually uphill to Jerusalem from Galilee, which is where Capernaum is. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, in verse 13, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords... He drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the, money, uh, poured out the changers of money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And verse 18 says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? In other words, show us something. Show us a sign that gives you the authority to come in here and do that. And uh, Jesus answered in verse 19 and said unto them, Destroy this temple. And now he's in the temple when this is happening. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. And that, that's a reference to Herod's temple. There were numerous temples. One was built, then destroyed. Another built, destroyed. This was Herod's temple. It did take 46 years to build. And uh, wilt thou rear it up in three days? But verse 21 is crucial. But he spake of the temple of his body. Verse 22, When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. O oh Lord, we thank you so much for your precious word. It is timeless. Uh, as John said, it is inerrant, infallible. Uh, it is for our instruction, for our learning more about you. We thank you so much for your, your great truth. Thank you that you gave it to these men, uh, over 40 men, over a period of 1,500 years, 1,600 years. 
and you gave it, and, and they were able to write it just like you wanted them to write it. We thank you for this wonderful guide for our lives. And Lord, now we pray that this morning we ask you to have your will right here, your, that your will would be done just like you teach us to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And Lord, we also lift uh, Blake to you. I, I know uh, Brent caught me on his way out just a while ago and said that Brent was not well. And uh, we pray that, that you would bless, Brent's, uh, bless Blake's body. And, and uh, God, we thank you for what you're going to do this morning. And we pray, as you teach us to pray, that everything right here would be done for the Father's glory. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And Brent did catch me, and I know some of you told some of you uh, that Blake is having a, uh, an issue with diabetes. And so, uh, and I asked him if others knew, and he said they did. So let's just remember uh, Blake in our prayers. I've entitled this, this message, The Passover... It's a simple title. I couldn't think of anything else to call it. So I, I entitled it The Passover, The Anger, and The Sign. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the seriousness of sin. But first, let me mention this, uh, God's will. Uh, God does want us to know His will. Did you know that? He wants you and me to know His will. And he has, uh, he, he's, got, you know, he's taken responsibility for helping us to know it. And uh, one of the ways that we can, there, there are several ways that he helps us to know his will. One of those is communion with his word. And then another way is uh, through other believers, through the counsel of, of other believers. And then God is serious about us knowing his will. And there are some other ways. Uh, he gives us a conscience. Uh, he gives us common sense. Those are two, two separate things. Uh, prayer. There are some other ways to, that God uses to help us know his will. And so I think it's important uh, for us to remember that he wants us to know that will. And uh, John had mentioned uh, Pastor Wayne Johnson. And let me just tell you about Pastor Wayne. Once again, he's going to be here next week. Now, this man was my pastor uh, several years ago when I was in Kansas. And uh, Pastor Wayne and I, I call him Pastor Wayne still. Uh, even on the golf course, I call him Pastor Wayne. And so, uh, uh, Pastor Wayne, I've known him for over 20 years, I believe. And, and uh, he is a man that lives this word. I'm telling you, like, like, uh, I, I mean, he's just, he's a remarkable man. And uh, he is courageous. And right now, what he is doing, uh, he is heading up a mission organization that comes out of a church in Kansas. And uh, it's in, out of Medora, Kansas. And it's called Missions Revival. I happen to be the treasurer of that. Uh, so it keeps he and I in contact. But what Pastor Wayne does is he, he has a heart. He's very, very courageous uh, for the Lord. He, he desires to just do what God wants him to do. And uh, uh, he, he goes into these countries and he'll teach pastors how to be a pastor. 
That's his heartbeat. And so he is a vital resource. He's known all across the nation in numerous circles, uh, but he teaches, he teaches men how to be pastors. You know, there's men that get into the pastorate and they don't know what it means. They don't know what they're doing. And so he, uh, he helps him understand. He's a graduate of Liberty University. He's got his doctorate. I know he's, uh, he doesn't uh, announce that. He's Dr. Wayne Johnson, but uh, he, he likes to keep that low-keyed. Uh, he, he has a heart for the Lord. And so some weeks ago, several, several weeks ago, I mentioned him to John as a resource. Now, he's not coming in view of a call. That's important for you to understand that. He's not coming in view of a call. He is coming as a resource for this church as far as the pastorate. He knows, he knows, uh, he has contacts with several pastors all across the nation. And uh, uh, he is, I know this, I would say even this morning he is praying for this church. He and I had prayer over the phone for First Baptist uh, this past week. And so I will be here next week as well. This man can preach. Uh, he is what I would label a fireball for the Lord. And uh, he can preach. I'll, I will be here. And I wanted you to know that. But uh, God can use other people to help us to understand his will. And uh, that's what we want to know uh, is, God, what is your will? And, you know, uh, while I'm on this, now this is not a part of the sermon, just so you know. This is uh, leading into the sermon. God wants us to know his will, but there are some hindrances. So we can, pl we can apply this to our lives. There are some hindrances to knowing God's will. Uh, one of those would be uh, self-will. Okay, well, I, want to, I want to do what I want to do. You know, you ever had that, that idea, you know, where, where I want it my way. And so uh, that's what we have to guard against. There's, there's some other hindrances to, to understanding, to knowing God's will. One of those hindrances would be, and I'll uh, allude to this here in just a little while, would be uh, having a complacency with sin, em embracing sin. Where it's that's just a part of my life, just who I am. I, you know, I just I'm allowing this sin into my life, whatever it might be. Look, that is a hindrance to knowing the will of God, uh, self-will. And so I tell you that to tell you that uh, that for us to know God's will for the pulpit, it, it, they, none of us can be self-willed. Well, I, I want, uh, you know, this is taking too long, or this is, uh, and so I want to I encourage you to guard against that. If, if you have, if you felt that way and maybe voiced it, uh, I, I want you, you know, to know that that, uh, that, that, can, that, can be, uh, that can be a hindrance to the will of God. Remember one of the first things, as a matter of fact, the first book that I knew, 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 that I knew that God wanted me to preach right here was the book of James. Remember that? We went through the book of James, the oldest book in the New Testament. And what he says in there is he says, look, when you face these difficulties, when you face these hardships, when you face these times, 
let patience have her perfect work. You remember that? That is crucial that as we go through this, uh, searching for a pastor, God already knows who the next pastor is. He is not confused. He knows who he is. And what we have to do is just seek his will. He wants us to know his will. He wants that. And so, uh, uh, so we, 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 have to, we have to be unified toward uh, the goal of being patient. Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to seek you. So next week, Pastor Wayne's going to be here. He's going to speak to us. I think during the afternoon, he's going to talk to the search committee. I believe that to be the case. And then he's going to be here next Sunday night as well. I want to encourage you to be here. I, I, and, and boy, if you know someone that's not here, encourage them to be here. Uh, once again, this man can preach, and uh, he's going to lay it all out. And uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy him. Uh, he and I have been through numerous circumstances together. Uh, I served as one of the, one of the elders in, uh, in the church up there with him. And uh, uh, he's a powerful, a powerful servant for the Lord. Let me say this. The Lord is using him. He's a very humble servant. And you'll see that. Courageous, but he has a humble heart. And uh, you'll see that. So some of Satan's strategies include, now we're getting into the sermon, okay? They include tricking us to become comfortable with sin, to become complacent with sin, luring us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this feeling that uh, I'm okay, everything's all right, that kind of feeling, complacent with sin, That's one of Satan's strategies to where we begin to accept it. We begin to, maybe as a matter of fact, we may not even realize that we're sinning. May not even realize it. And Satan tries to trick us. But God, and we're going to see this this morning, I believe God has has laid a message on my heart that uh, for me, And so what I'm doing is I'm preaching to me this morning, okay? Now listen, Lord willing, and I've learned to say Lord willing, you know, we've come through a little bit of, you know, since we finished Jude, you know, we've been through a lot of, we've covered a lot of ground here. Since we finished Jude, we got into Christmas and the Luke passage, Uh, Luke 1, Luke 2, remember Zacharias and Elizabeth and then Mary and all that and Gabriel, and then uh, uh, this morning... We're drifting over to the Gospel of John, and uh, but Lord willing, in two weeks, now not next week because Pastor Wayne Johnson will be here, but the next week we're going to begin, and it's very interesting, John had mentioned 1 Timothy. We're going to begin 1 Timothy. And I've learned to say Lord willing. Okay, He, he can intervene. As a matter of fact, he is in charge. And so uh, that's what we got to remember. But Lord willing, I believe God wants us to be in 1 Timothy here in a couple of weeks. We're going to begin. That's, that's one of the pastoral epistles. So we're going, to, we're going to begin to look at that. So, But God has always been serious about sin. Now, as we venture in, I'm going to cough here. <coughs> Excuse me. As we venture into 2020, there are some things we need to keep in mind regarding sin. And I'm praying, I'm praying for you guys, I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for you guys, that this year, and I hope these first 
three or four days, first four or five days, I guess, have been profitable for you as far as following God. <coughs> but may this year be the year of the new us, the new Craig, the new you. May it be that year. And so, uh, you know, we talked about this Sunday night, and that is reading God's Word. I pray that you've already began to do this, and that is pour your heart into God's Word. In other words, let Him pour into you. And uh, we talked about last week reading through the Bible. And, uh, you know, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Now, some of you have already heard this, but this, we, we need to know this. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. So uh, I know I'm not the only accountant in here, but if you divide that 1,189 by 365, you get something like 3.26 chapters a day that you need to read to make it through the Bible in one year. Okay? Now, here's the deal. Uh, if you read three chapters, it's going to take you 13 months. If you read four chapters, and that's what I'm doing, okay, if you read four chapters, you're going to be finished uh, right around October, sometime in October. You're going to be finished a couple of months early. So uh, that's important. I, I believe it's important. I told you about the the missionary, I was keeping in my home, and I, I was, uh, you know, I was asking him, you know, what are you studying? Are you, you, you studying anything? And he was telling me, and I said, hey, have you ever read the Bible through? And he said, Craig, I've read the Bible through 49 times, and I like to fell over, and uh, because I had read 49 times. I've read it through, but not 49 times, but I'm determined to read it through. I think that's important for us uh, that until God calls us home for us to go through the Bible as many times as we can. Now, that's not the in-depth. I think it's important to have a, a panoramic view. That's going to give you a panoramic view. And so, uh, but then in addition to that, it's important to do a, uh, an in-depth Bible study. So if we can start that in 2020 and gear into uh, diving into God's Word, I think it'll make a difference in our church It'll make a difference in knowing God's will, one of the key ways that you know God's will. And he, once again, he wants us to know it, and that is through communion in, to, in his word. Now, how, how I'm doing the reading through, I have a hard time reading, uh, you know, I'm kind of a one-tracker, so I have a hard time kind of mixing it up each day, okay, Old Testament, New Testament. And so what I do is I, I'll just read until I finish an Old Testament book, and then I'll jump over and I'll read a New Testament book, okay, so... Uh, if you can join me in that, I think it'll make a difference in uh, where we're headed and make a difference in uh, us understanding God's will. So this morning, what we're going to do is, and once again, when, you re when you're reading the Bible through, that's not the in-depth study. We're going to still need to do a, an in-depth study, whether you, whether you study a book in-depth or, or a topic, that's important. Uh, Maybe you could do that first thing in the morning. That's what one of the things I try to do first thing in the morning. Uh, the Passover. This is important. This is the first point this morning. The Passover reflects God's deliverance from the bondage of sin. Okay, that's the first thing we're going to talk about. The Passover. Remember, it says 
down about verse 13, and the Jews' Passover was at hand. Okay, so the Passover reflects God's deliverance from the bondage of sin. Second thing we're going to look at is Jesus' anger. His anger demonstrates the attitude that we need to have towards sin. See that anger that he had when he, he made the, uh, did that, uh, that made a scourge of small cords and then drove those guys out, turned over the tables. There was an anger there, but it wasn't a flash anger. It wasn't uh, just blow up. He was, it was well thought out. It was methodical, and it represents our attitude that we need to have towards sin. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is the sign. Remember those guys asked for a sign they said, what sign are you going to give us to show us you have authority to do what you just did? And turn over those tables and run these guys out. And uh, the sign was the resurrection. And the, the sign of the resurrection shows God's only answer concerning the problem of sin. So we're going to look at those three things. Uh, the Passover, the anger, and the sign. And so let's look at the first one, the Passover. It was a reminder of God's deliverance from the bondage of sin. Now, uh, the Passover was, and I might say is, an annual feast. And this was Jesus' first Passover when it jumps, up, uh, jumps down to verse 13. That is Jesus' first Passover since his baptism. So if you were to turn back to, I believe it's chapter 1, you, we're not going to turn there, but you could ju uh, jump back to uh, chapter 1, and you could read about his baptism. So this is his first Passover since his baptism. Now, he'd celebrated his Passover, uh, celebrated Passover probably every year of his life, uh, of his earthly life. Uh, so, but this is the first one since his, pass, uh, since his baptism. Now, according, you might write this verse down, according to John 18.4. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what was ahead for him. He certainly knew what was coming in about three years, and that would be the crucifixion, that would be the resurrection. And he kept the Passover yearly. That was important to him. And so in the Old Testament, Israel spent hundreds of years in Egyptian captivity and... Uh, You've studied Scripture, you've studied Egypt, you know that Egypt was symbolic of sin. Okay, that's important to remember. When you see Egypt in the Bible, oftentimes it is symbolic of sin. And so sin held the Israelites captive for many, 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 many years. And during that, during that time of bondage, and it was, it was very, very hard bondage, Many of those Jews prayed for deliverance. They prayed for a deliverer. So, right now, maybe there's someone in here that is living in sin. And maybe not, but just maybe there's somebody in here that's living in sin, and maybe you've, you've begun to compromise with that, uh, with that sin. Maybe you've become complacent, like we mentioned a while ago. And uh, that sin will take you down 
We can see that numerous times in Scripture. It will take you down. And what, what needs to happen is you need to be delivered today. You need to be delivered from that bondage. And, and the, so the key question is, if you're in here and you've become complacent, you know, on the outside, we can all look real good. But there's a, uh, when, when it's the real us, maybe there's someone in here that is, you're, you're, you've allowed sin to take root in you and you've become complacent with it and you've got something going on and you need out you need out right now and I want to I want to ask you a key question and that is do you want out do you want out of that see embracing sin like we talked about just a while ago in reference to God's will embracing sin can be a, a, a serious a major hindrance to knowing God's will major hindrance and so God wants us to know his will now I want to mention this in Romans write this down you don't have to turn there in Romans 5 12 we've talked about this before Romans 5 12 the Bible shows us and I'm paraphrasing now that all of us have uh, all of us are guilty of the sin of Adam. In other words, the sin of Adam was imputed to all of us, all of mankind. And you, when you get a chance, you could read Romans, the theological book of Romans, Romans 5.12, that uh, all, all of us have had sin imputed. In other words, when Adam sinned, it's just like you and I sinned. That's it. That's how God sees it. But in addition to that, the Bible teaches that there is inherited sin. In other words, sin passed from Adam to his son, and from his son to his son, and all the way to Noah, and then Noah to his sons, and all the way to our grandparents, and then to our dad, and then to us, and uh, then to our children. And so sin is not only imputed, it is inherited, and we need help. We need, a, we need a deliverer, and that deliverer, of course, is Jesus. So the Jews were in, in this bondage of sin called Egypt, and they prayed for help, and God sent that help. Now, you know, uh, as, I, as I even say that, that's one good reason for you and I to pray for our country. Our country needs help. Amen? We need help. And I hope that you, uh, that you and I pray for this country continually. We need help uh, as a country. There are, Satan would love to destroy the United States of America. You know, we have, for many years, we, uh, we propagated the gospel. And I know that's still hap happening, but we propagated it like no other country, uh, far and wide. And Satan would love to destroy. And that's essentially one of the reasons that uh, you see so much uh, activity, uh, so much evil activity. The Bible says we war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. That's what's going on in our nation. We need help, just like those Jews needed help. And so, let's keep praying for our country. God gave them clear instructions. 
God gave these Jews clear instructions, and they weren't suggestions. They were marching orders, and uh, that was that blood was required, and uh, not just any blood. It was the blood of, of uh, it's the blood of the Messiah, the, the, and those lambs that they sacrificed were representative of the future Messiah, and so that blood that they put on their doorposts were rep, was representative of the the blood of Jesus, the true deliverer. And so that's what we need. We need the blood of the Messiah. Now, another name for Passover was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's significant. In other words, they were not to put leaven in their their bread, yeast, to cause it to rise uh, because they, they were to get out quickly. Okay? They were to leave in a hurry. They weren't to hang around. Let's hang around and let our bread rise. And so uh, you, you see another name for Passover, for the Passover being the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were to hurry out of bondage. They weren't to hang around. And see, that's how we're to be. We're, to, we're, we're, to, we're not to hang around sin. Too many times in my life, I've, I've kind of hung around it. Let it hang around me. And uh, Jesus told that, that woman that was caught in adultery, she said, go, or he said, go and sin no more. In other words, get out. And so maybe it's an immoral relationship. I, I don't know. Maybe it's pornography, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a disrespectful, bad attitude. Uh, maybe it's a habit of lying. Whatever it might be, whatever sin. Here's one. Write this verse down. Proverbs. 24.9, Proverbs 24.9. Here's what Proverbs 24.9 says. The thought of foolishness is sin. Well, that's a big one. The thought of foolishness is sin. So whatever it might be, whatever sin it is, you and I have got to stop it now. We've, we can't be complacent. Uh, God is showing us through the Passover, through the Feast of Unleavened Bread, look, we've got to get out. We, we need to get out now. We've got to hurry and uh, not let this thing, not hang around sin. So Satan tries to trick us into being complacent. He tries to trick us into uh, just thinking, well, everything's okay. Now, there's a good chance that Jesus was thinking about what was going to happen in three years. He went to the cross. He delivered us from sin. And he did that. He's serious about sin. So he did that not so we could be friends with sin. And that's significant. Uh, the Passover was a reminder of God's deliverance from sin. And, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm even saying that, I'm thinking about Pastor Wayne Johnson, who's going to be here next week. I'm telling you, uh, that man uh, will uh, hold you accountable. I, I, he will hold you accountable, hold you to this word. Uh, a very dear friend. Uh, but, you know, we're to be, uh, we're not to hang around it. The Passover is a reminder of God's deliverance from sin. Now, uh, so the Passover is that reminder, 
and God delivered us through Jesus. Now let's go to the next one. Jesus' anger. It demonstrates the attitude that we need to have concerning sin. So look, look at what he says here. And it says, and he found in the temple in verse 14. Now remember, there's only one temple, and that was in Jerusalem. There were many synagogues that were all over the place, and they all pointed to the temple. Uh, but there was one temple. So he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers of money and overthrew the tables. So this was being done in the out, what's called the outer court. And so now, can we have money in the church? Well, yeah, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's times we need to do things. There's, there's times we need to maybe... Uh, uh, sell some things or whatever. That wasn't the issue. The issue was their hearts. And you can see that from the context. Jesus knew their hearts. And, uh, and I think it's important to note that the, this, was the first, this was the first cleansing of the temple. This is the first time he did that. Now there's another cleansing. And you could read about that. As a matter of fact, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, uh, refer to that cleansing, and that is three years from this point, uh, uh, right before the crucifixion. So this is the first one. This is this is right after his baptism. So this is he's starting his earthly ministry here, and so uh, uh, the first. Now remember this: the first of the Ten Commandments says this. First one, and I hope you know this one. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's over in Exodus chapter 20. See, we're not to have anything before God. And these guys did. They had, see, he knew their hearts. And so uh, they were not keeping that standard. They had offended the standard. And so uh, it's important for us that uh, we not have anything before God. That was a problem, and uh, they violated it in their lives. And uh, nothing is to be before Him. You've heard me say this before. If, uh, if you show me a person's checkbook, you show me their bank statements, I can pretty well tell you where their heart is, pretty well. And Jesus knew where the hearts of these, of these men, of these people. And so in verse 15, it says he made a scourge, a small cord. And that's, that's important to note that this was not a flash of anger. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it, can you, as I was reading this, as I was preparing for this, can you see that he was reaching out to them? This was not a flash of anger. He is reaching out to them. And he's, he's demonstrating the attitude towards sin. And uh, there's, the sin was they were having, uh, they, they were placing some things in their hearts before God. And so he was reaching out to them. And, you know, I even wrote down here at the cross, we, when, when we go three, three years later from this point, you see at the cross, 
you could see a clear demonstration there of God's righteous anger on sin as well. So we see Jesus' anger, and it's directed at sin. It's directed, and that, that needs to be uh, our attitude as well. We're not to play around with sin, and that's a major theme this morning. We're not to play around with sin. And uh, so as I, as I was preaching, I, I, was, I had to remind myself, Craig, you can't play around with it. Whether it's an attitude, whatever it is, you can't play around with that sin. Uh, a thought of foolishness, as we, we read a while ago. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's how we speak. Maybe it's cursing, those things. The Bible tells us, guard your mouth. It, it, and, you know, on and on we could go. All, you know, if we looked at all the sin in this room, I'm sure, you know, first I have to start with me. You know, I need to do a better job at uh, not being complacent with sin. I want to do a better job. Um, now, oftentimes, people are confused about this section of Scripture. And so I wanted to really point this out. If you look at the first uh, 11 verses, this is where Jesus turns the water into wine. Okay? It's, a, it's at a wedding, and they ran out of wine. And so uh, you'll oftentimes, and you've heard this, I'm sure, you'll oftentimes hear people uh, justify. Well, uh, God turned, or Jesus turned water into wine. I, you know, I can take part in that. I can, I can I, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And uh, so I think when you look at verse 10, if you were to back up there and look at verse 10, you can see that what he gave, the governor says, you know, look, look, most guys, they, they serve the good stuff first, and then they serve the fermented, the, uh, the, the, the bad stuff. Uh, you know, and and uh, Jesus, he says here in verse 10, he served the best last. He gave, he gave the best. And what that's a reference to is uh, it's, it's fresh. It is unfermented. You know, I, I did a study a, a while back. It's been a, a few years ago about the inebriation that takes place when you drink alcohol. And it takes place right here. And, it, and it's surprising. You, you could look this up. It's surprising how quick it takes place after you drink alcohol or uh, fermented uh, beverage. It takes place really, really quick. And I think that as we study Scripture, and you've heard me say this before, that when you're studying Scripture, context is everything. And so when you're looking in the Holy Scripture at wine and oftentimes it, when it's you know they didn't have alcohol like we have it today so they would they used wine and uh, you have to look at the context to know okay is it is it okay is it not okay is it good is it what, what's going on and you have to look at the context and at verse 10 stipulates that the, the governor says you gave the best here at the end so we have to keep in mind that the bible never contradicts itself. So here we look at these first few verses where Jesus turns water into wine, and then we get into these verses of the, the, the text today in the same chapter, and Jesus is uh, he's angry at sin. You see that? So oftentimes you'll, you'll hear people that will try to justify that, but the thing we have to keep in mind is that our God 
will never cause someone to sin. Never. He will never cause someone to sin. Let me give you, I, I, I just looked up three. I gave you, I'll give you three passages here, and it's really, really, these are important passages. And uh, the first one is over in 1 Thessalonians, and it's 5.22. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. It says this, abstain, that means refrain from, abstain from all appearance of evil. That one says a lot right there. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, that's God speaking through Paul. There's another one that uh, is over in Habakkuk, Habakkuk, and it's Habakkuk 3.15. Here's what it says, Habakkuk, you don't have to turn there, you just write down the passage, you can look at it later. Habakkuk 3.15, it says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest the bottle to him. It's talking about alcoholic or, or, or fermented uh, drink, fermented be beverage, and maketh him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. But the one that, the passage that really some years ago that really sold it for me was this one. And it's over in Hosea, and it's Hosea 4.11. Hosea 4.11. And you, once again, you have to look at the context. Hosea 4.11. Hosea was quite a prophet. And he said these words. Hosea 4.11. This one gave me no doubt. Hosea 4.11 says, Hordom, we know what that is, right? It says, Hordom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Hordom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Now, you see the context there? In other words, you have wine, alcohol, and the context is it takes away the heart. That's going to be the alcoholic or the, the fermented. Uh, but it's in the same context as whoredom. And so as I studied that some years ago, I, it hit me like a light bulb. Well, we know what whoredom is and how much whoredom can we get involved in? How much? The answer to that is zero, right? We're not to get involved in any whoredom. That kind of answered the question for me right there. So, uh, but I, 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 the reason I wanted to refer to that, because that's, at the, that's the first portion of this chapter. And, uh, and oftentimes you'll hear people that when you get into chapter 2, they think there's a little conflict there. There's no conflict. Our, our Lord is never going to cause someone to sin. Never. So when you start feeling a need to sin, you know that didn't come from God. When you start feeling like, well, you're, you know, your situation's okay, God understands, you know, and oftentimes you'll see that in relationship issues. Yeah, God understands our, our relationship's different, you know. Uh, it's okay if we live together outside of marriage and those kinds of things. And No, uh, our God is never going to cause someone to sin. And so that's him. I wanted to really point that out. Um, so the first two points, the first two points. Number one, the Passover was a reminder of God's deliverance from the bondage of sin. God has made that possible, that we can be delivered, and he delivered us through Jesus. And then the second point is Jesus' anger. When he's in that temple, that anger demonstrates it shows the same attitude that you and I need to have towards sin. It wasn't a flash, out-of-control anger. 
He is angry at sin. Uh, he's going to die for that sin here in about three years, three years from this. And so, uh, so let's go to the third point, the sign of the resurrection. It shows God's only answer, his only answer concerning sin. Because we've all, we've all had sin imputed to us. And so we're all sinners. Now, notice the sign. It says in uh, verse 18, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest, us, showest thou us, seeing thou doest these things? And so what authority do you have to run these people out, to turn over these tables, Jesus? And uh, Jesus says unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, we know from the next verse, or from the next couple of verses, that he's not talking about the temple that they're standing in. They, they think, well, this temple took 46 years to build. You know, we're going to tear it down. You're going you're gonna to raise it back up in three days? No. He's talking about his body. And that's what he shows. The Bible shows us that clearly in verse 21. It says, he spake of the temple of his body. And so it, it is important that we know, that, that we don't think that God always gives a sign that is spectacular. His, the signs are not always... You remember la, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we looked at uh, those angels, uh, the angel that came to the shepherds and said, uh, Behold, a child is born unto you, and you're going to find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And uh, you know, not a spectacular sign. And so uh, they found, it was, it was spectacular, no doubt. But they went and they found a child, just like he said. Wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. But here, this sign is spectacular. It, 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 is, it is spectacular. We're talking about the resurrection. They're going to destroy his body. And in three days... He's going to bring it back to life. And so it, it, it's spectacular. But you can see that he is reaching out to them. He is reaching out to them, and he's reaching to us today. So the sign of the resurrection, it shows God's only answer for the problem of sin. You know, in churches all around the world today, there are people that don't understand the significance of the resurrection. In other words, they're lost. They don't understand it. They've got a, they have a sin uh, problem, yes, as we all do, but they don't understand the significance of the resurrection. And, uh, you know, Satan's trying to trick them. He tries to lure them into thinking, you're okay. I'm okay. You know, if, if we were able to lift off that, I don't know that hell has a lid on it, but if we could peer into hell this morning, I'm sure there are people in hell this morning. As we're in here, there are people in hell that live their earthly life thinking, I'm all right. Everything's okay. Can you see that that's a, a ploy of Satan? It's a trick of Satan. And Brother and sister, if, if that's you, friend, if that's you this morning, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, please, 
Don't leave here this morning without doing that. Don't leave here this morning. Uh, see, the we've we talked about sin this morning, but I want to make sure everybody understands clearly that uh, we've been cut off from the tree of life. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, in chapter 3 it says that God placed an angel at the, at the garden entrance. And that angel kept people from getting to the tree of life. Because if they ate of the tree of life, they lived forever. That's why those original guys lived so long. So uh, when, when God placed that angel there, and the sword that turned every which way, no one could get to the tree of life. So from Adam this way, we've all been cut off. We've all been, we've been cut off from the tree of life. As a matter of fact, we have all been born, we talked about this a few weeks ago, we've all been born spiritually dead. Do you remember us talking about that? We've been born spiritually dead, every one of us. Everyone from Adam and Eve this way, we'll say that Adam and Eve, after they sinned, then they were spiritually dead. They needed a Savior. They needed a Deliverer. And so do we. You know, the, the Bible says, it speaks to that second death that we looked at in Jude. And if spiritual death is not rectified in this lifetime, then the second death becomes a reality. That's just the way it is. And so you and I have been cut off, as, as well as everybody else. The people that we're going to cross paths with in Walmart, they've all been cut off. Does everybody understand that? You got it? That's, that's important. I, I, I want to I really make sure, just in case there's someone in here that, that doesn't really grasp that. So I want to make sure everybody understands it. So bear with me, okay? I'm not leaving. I'm going to come back. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Okay. This is off of one of my oak trees, and I love my oak trees. I love them. Uh, not with, you know, I mean, I, I like them. Let me put it that way. But... This thing is off of it, and isn't it amazing how these, these oak trees can keep their leaves? Isn't that amazing? During this time of year, you know, just about the only trees that keep their leaves are the oak trees. You know, the, the others, those leaves are already gone. Well, you know, when Adam and Eve got cut off from the tree of life, I don't necessarily think that they, they felt dead. You know, everything just kept on going. Are you, you with me on that? It, it looked like they were okay. Well, we, we're okay. Uh, you know, nothing changed. But, you know, something did change. They were cut off. And see, this tree, this one, I mean, these leaves, it looks still alive. But the fact is, it is cut off. It is dead. This thing is dead. looks alive, but it's not. It's dead. Now, that's the way with us. 
that we've all been cut off. And the only source of deliverance is through Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Father, thank you that you've demonstrated some things through your word. Uh, you've demonstrated your deliverance from sin through the Passover. You demonstrated your anger and how the, the, the attitude that we need to have through that anger that you showed in the temple that day. And then, Lord, the, the resurrection, you've demonstrated your only answer to the problem of sin. And I pray this morning that if there is someone in here that never before have they understood that they've been cut off from the source, everyone from Adam and Eve this way. And Lord, the only salvation is through your resurrecting power through Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, if there's someone in here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, oh, I pray that they would do that, that they would, they would uh, form that relationship this morning. They would not leave here. In Jesus' sweet name, amen, as we sing together. So if you're in here this morning and and God brought something to light in your life, would you take that next step and ask for the forgiveness and flee the sin? Brother Johnny, would you close us in prayer?